1: Welcome to this episode of the How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and I have a guest with me today, Craig Melby. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? You got it just right. Well, welcome to the show, Craig. Yes, thank you. Great to be here. Let me give you some background on Craig, and then I'll have him add to it. Uh, Craig is an entrepreneur, and he has been negotiating commercial real estate leases and purchases since 1980, and that's going to be a big focus of this show. Uh, He founded Lease Smart his business, after hearing from too many non-clients who contacted him after they had negotiated their deal terms, and then asked him to look over the lease before signing it. And always there were things that he could have done much better, many times very important things. Uh, so finally, after experiencing the same need again and again, he formed Smart. Uh, to assist those people in need. And so those are the clients that he assists. Craig holds real estate licenses in the states of Florida, North Carolina, and South Carolina. And he's a certified commercial investment member, a CCIM. That's a designation in the, the realtor world. And he's a former member of the Society of Office and Industrial Realtors. His specialties, as I alluded to, are site selection, lease negotiations, and facility acquisitions. So once again, Craig, welcome to the show and please add a bit more to your background and what you're up to these days.
0: Uh, well, yeah, uh, you, you got it really well. And uh, I guess uh, digging in just a little deeper so that people know where I'm coming from. Uh, I went straight into commercial real estate right from college because I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I thought, hey, people in commercial real estate make a lot of money. What could be better than that? And I'll invest it. I'll be rich. I tell you, rich, you know. So, <laughs> so I, uh, I got into commercial real estate and I did some investing and learned from people and did various things, and it's all been good. And uh, a big part of that was buying and owning and operating uh, you know, office buildings and shopping centers and things like that. So I've been on both sides of the, um, of the aisle, and I know uh, a lot about the subject. And as you alluded to earlier, um, in my travels, I would be speaking to um, business owners who they just didn't know enough about uh, finding the best space and negotiating the best terms, especially negotiating the best terms. And it just seemed like a more fun thing to do would be to represent them. You know, it could be really helpful to them, and so uh, that's why I started Smart, and that's what what we do. We specialize in helping uh, business owners find the best spaces because it's not always that obvious or that easy, and then negotiate the best terms. So you know, we save them money. Hopefully, we we help them be much more profitable. And we also protect them from things that could happen in the future, might never happen, but then, you know, events could occur and they will be very happy that their lease says uh, one thing instead of another. Yeah, great. Excellent. So
1: where do we find you today? Where are you calling us from?
0: Well, right now I am in North Carolina. I uh, have homes in Florida and North Carolina. I kind of follow the weather. And although I do business nationwide and, and perhaps worldwide, Um, I do have licenses in three states, but I have a network of people uh, just like me that uh, do the same thing. And so if you needed something in some other state, that's no problem. I can pick up the phone and pop into some other network in your area with people that will help you out the same as I do. I'm not the only one in the world doing this, that's for sure. Uh, It's an industry called tenant representation where we exclusively represent business owners, not landlords. Nothing wrong with landlords. We love landlords, but it's their job to uh, get the best deal they can,
1: you know, at at their building. Wonderful. I'm from South Florida originally. So what part of Florida do you have your second home? Uh, Stuart. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful part of Florida. Yeah. Great. So you went right into commercial real estate, if I understood you correctly, right out of college. What what did you study?
0: Well, I studied marketing and uh, my problem was I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I had read some books on commercial real estate investing, and you know, they convinced me that would be a, as good as anything to do. And so that's what I did, kind of by default. Um, I might, maybe, should have taken a leap year and done some other things or tried some other things, but. I just went straight into commercial real estate and it's great, you know, especially the first decade I lived and breathed it. You know, I, I hated when weekends came along because I couldn't work, you know, I'd call people and they wouldn't be there. So, so I was deep, deep into it. Now, as I get older, I can appreciate uh, doing other things, too. Uh, but at the time, it was completely absorbing and, uh, and very exciting. So even in school, you knew you wanted to be your own boss? Well, yeah. I I didn't really think about it too much, but I do. It's my nature. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like telling others what to do either. It's just a, a freedom thing. I don't know. It's just my
1: nature. So it works out for me to be my own boss. Yeah, absolutely. So, because when you go to when you become a broker, you're essentially it's your own business. Yeah, you're working in a brokerage somewhere, but it's it's on you and and it's all what you deals you close or you make no money, right? That was your situation right off the start. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and uh, it can be pretty frightening at first, and maybe people start out in it part time while they have some other income, but once you've done it for a while and you have some deals in the hopper some closings that are gonna occur it's kinda like a bank account you know you you've you've done a deal now you're waiting for the closing and once you've done a, a dozen deals and you're waiting for those to close then you you can see those future paydays and and budget accordingly and build up some savings for any lean times and so once you get over the hump it's a it's a nice living and once you have loyal clients that call you whenever they need something then it's a it's a beautiful thing too all
1: right so let's get into the questions here that I wanted to ask this, this is a topic I've been excited about. Uh, so so excited to have you on this show because every client I deal with, certainly if they're going to build any kind of brick and mortar business, or they're going to lease space of any kind, whether it's office space or retail space, these are the big questions that come up. Um, so if you could just, let's just start at a high level, at a general level, advice and guidance on site selection and lease negotiations. Just speak to that for a minute, if you would. Well, sure, be happy to do that. Uh, regarding the site selection,
0: what happens, my, my biggest challenge is that people do this all themselves. They don't know what they don't know and they screw it up and to their own detriment. So, site selection, they might typically um, get in the car, drive around, and see what kind of four lease signs are in the windows. And what you have to realize is when you do that and you call on that sign, you're going to end up talking to a really nice uh, person, uh, honest and smart and successful and probably attractive. But their job is to lease that space that you called on. And so their very honesty prevents them from telling you about other spaces that might be better for you. And there are some other spaces that may not be on the market. You know, we call them off-market spaces maybe there's a company occupying that space right now, but they're not doing well, or maybe they need to expand, and they've had some conversations with the landlord, and if the right situation comes along, landlord can let, uh, you know, tenant A out and put in tenant B. And uh, so when I'm doing my uh, site selection work, you know, looking for, for lease signs is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, I use, also use my network and, uh, to contact developers and and brokers and say, what else do you got? Here's what we're looking for. What do you got I should know about? And it's a pretty good um, collegiate community, so to speak, where even if they don't have anything that fits my needs, they'll tell me, well, you know, you ought to talk to, you know, Billy down the street. He's got such and such building that might be good for you or this or that. So, you know, we help each other out. And so getting off market deals is a big part of it and then sometimes you can you can miss the location especially in retail you can miss it by you know half a block and your sales go through the floor and it's uh, it it sometimes common sense isn't so common it always shocks me where someone will pay a little bit you know they'll pay less for a location thinking ah, that's good enough but they may not even shouldn't have even gone into business to begin with if you're not going to be successful and you're you're just fighting low sales and low traffic the whole time you know and i would urge people to get a quality location that's going to just bring you a lot more sales and in fact my most successful clients happen to be the ones that do rent the highest rent spaces now is you know it's not the chicken and the egg it's not that well, they're so successful so they can afford it. No, no, no. They picked the right location, so now they're so successful so they can afford, you know, the next one and the next one.
1: Yeah, that's such a great point about selecting the location that might be more expensive, but that's what leads to success in your business. And I think sometimes that might be a little counterintuitive. We might think that it's okay to go into a a B or a C space, but are we really setting ourselves up for failure by doing that. So Craig, talk a little bit more about when we call off of signs that are posted at shopping centers that have space available, that we're talking to someone who's likely representing the landlord and and what that means. Right. Well, in fact, let me
0: tell you the most typical story, true story. All my stories are true. (laughs) But, you know, so when I'm, uh, I was representing a a fairly big shopping center owner and I'm sitting there in the leasing office behind the desk and a young couple come in, they're starting a new business and they want to rent space at the center. So we go out, we walk around, I show them the spaces we have available. They come back, we sit down and we talk about the lease and the space and the terms and, you know... I'm about as nice and honest as the day is long, uh, and that's important because most of these leasing agents are. And when I'm talking to these uh, this new uh, young couple, I know that if they wanted some free rent, I could give it to them. And if they wanted, uh, you know, uh, some reimbursements for repainting the space or recarpeting or other, you know, improvements, uh, I know I could give it to them. But I can't because then the moment I offer those things to them, now I'm not representing my boss in an honest fashion. You know, it's my very honesty and and those leasing agents, very honesty, that keep them from offering the tenant the best deal if they're not representing the tenant. So uh, you know that's the most important thing is so many people they'll go and they'll talk to the landlord. They're great people. Again, they're great people. Um, but you're not going to get the very best possible deal. They can't give you that best possible deal. you Unless you're a genius and you know how to ask for all these things and you put a lot of time in it and learn a, an entirely new industry. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, you shouldn't, it'd be like going to court and representing yourself, you know, or going to the hospital saying, I'm going to operate on myself. Can you lend me that scapel over there? I, 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 let me do this myself. You know, it's, it's
1: crazy. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, so Craig, what, what are landlords looking for in a prospective tenant? What's, what's an ideal tenant?
0: Well, uh, you, the, of course, the first thing is the ability to pay. But in addition to that, then they're looking for synergy. Uh, they want a, a tenant to be successful and draw more people to the center. Uh, if, again, if we're talking retail, uh, uh, some prestige is always nice. Uh, if it's a name brand tenant, makes them look good. Um, and, you know, deep pockets, you know, a, uh, not, you know, I guess it relates to number one, but, you know, a a public company is is always preferred. Uh, I did at least one time where uh, it was a big carpet company and they leased a pretty expensive space. And before they even moved in, they changed their mind. Oh, no, we don't want to go to this market. Well, guess what? They continued to pay rent. They never even moved in and they paid rent after rent after rent because they're big enough. And the landlord said, hey, you know, you signed a piece of paper here that says you owe me money. So pay up. Now, if that was a local tenant, it might have been a whole nother story. But hey, you're you're a big credit worthy company. So so that's what they would look for. They want a good operator, somebody they can they can trust and isn't going to be a problem and operate their their business in a in a poor way. But the financial uh, financial is, is number one. They want to make darn sure that you, you know what you're doing and you're going to be successful.
1: So, Craig, what, what do you think is the team, the virtual team that someone should put together to go through this process of finding the ideal space for their business?
0: Well, you know, let me sidetrack for just a second, talk about a quick pet peeve that most of these people may go through. When people are starting a new business, they you know they learn all about financing and business plans and all the other thing and uh, and I rarely see part of the package you know the educational package being okay now how do you pick the real estate and how do you, do you negotiate the deal so you know Henry that's why I think it's a very good thing for you to be doing this cuz that's like a, another leg to the table that that's going to hold up your business so you really need to know that and the first you know, team member I think you should have would be a buyer's broker. And um, by the way, especially in the United States, that person is probably gonna work for you for free. Even though they work for you on a fiduciary basis, their job is to get you the very best deal possible. Um, they usually share in the leasing fee or the sales fee that the landlord or seller is paying their agent. So it's, it's free. You get a better deal. You certainly spend a lot less of your time um, uh, in the real estate industry. You can continue to spend it in your own business. So uh, a buyer's broker, so to speak, or tenant rep would be the first thing. And by the way, when I uh, meet uh, people for the first time, many times I realize they don't know how much space they even need so before we even start looking, we can sit down and talk about designs and plans and what are you thinking and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you can add up, you know, well, I got, say, it's office space. We got these five offices uh, each of us need, and they're about X number of square feet. Yeah, but, you know, we now we had to add in hallways and bathrooms and this and that. Or if you're in a big building, now you're going to be paying a percentage, uh, additional uh, overage for the lobby and the common areas and everything else. So- um, it, it's good to sit down and, and get a grasp of what what is this probably going to cost me? What's the market? And we can run really quick research to, to see what's generally out there and take a look at them, see the prices and give you a feel for what you're going to be
1: looking at. So that's why you recommend having a tenant rep that represents you exclusively, because if you use that same person that you call off the sign, yes, they can help you with other properties, but of course... They might represent other landlords as well versus a tenant rep represents you exclusively, right?
0: Yeah, and, and let me mention another thing too. When you go to, um, say you go to a, a leasing agent that you called on a, a shopping center and the space just doesn't work out at all for you. There's there's reasons why. It just doesn't work. Let's go look at something else. Now that, that uh, agent can now represent you and be a tenant rep and show you other spaces so that can happen And you and there in the various states there's all kinds of disclaimers disclosures and things about who represents who the only problem with that would be when that agent now is showing you something else that uh, their company has listed or you know maybe they're dealing with a landlord and they'd like to have that landlords business someday and so they don't negotiate quite as tough with that landlord And so an exclusive tenant rep um, is someone that that has agreed uh, that they will not take listings from landlords. So there's never a conflict of interest. And that's the big thing you need to worry about.
1: But Craig, it's hard to find a tenant rep, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it it really is. And that's why... It's kind of hard for us tenant reps to market because there are no signs up because every time there's a for lease sign up, that's that's a landlord rep, not a tenant rep. You know, so we're practically invisible. You see all the tenant reps, but you don't see
1: any any excuse me. You see all the landlord reps, but no tenant reps. So how would you recommend someone go about finding a tenant rep in their area? Well,
0: actually, that's a that's a good question. I guess you could Google up, you know, tenant rep and then in your city and there should be some things that pop up and then you can ask them. Uh, That would be that because there's not too many directories of tenant reps or or asking around and see who's used use someone. And uh, that would
1: be the best way uh, to do it, I would think. Yeah, Craig, and I think that's one of the challenges that people face when they're out there looking for space and they're calling off of these signs and you don't realize that you're speaking to someone who represents the landlord.
0: Well, and that's the whole point. It's their job to steer you. We're not using steer in a bad way from their perspective. It's just from your perspective. And, and by the way, when um, the other challenge that I face that your uh, your listeners should be aware of is that when, when they call on a sign and they start dealing with a, um, with a landlord, now the landlord's very happy cause there's no tenant rep involved. You know, they're not going to have to share a fee and they're not going to get beat up, you know, as much as a, as a tenant rep will do it. And so when I contact that landlord, um, and I have, when I contact that landlord fresh and say, Hey, I ha- I'm working with a client who's looking for space. What do you got here? They love me. They roll out the red carpet because they want that tenant and, and they like you know they like tenant reps. You know? we, we do business all the time. So they love working with me. But if you've already talked to them and they're thinking that they uh, were going to work with you direct, well, now they're not nearly as happy when I show up later and say, oh, by the way, those people you spoke to uh, last week, I'm, I'm representing them. You know, they're not happy now. They get over it because, you know, I typically go, look, I'm not happy either. You know, I I wish they hadn't contacted you first, but they did. And now they've found me and asked me if I would help them. I'm not chasing down your your people. They came to me and I just said yes. So it doesn't take long, sometimes seconds and sometimes minutes, but they get over it because they do want the tenant and they, they understand. And in fact, I do have a really interesting story, too, just as a great example I uh, had a couple a uh, couple of doctors go in to see their uh, attorney and they're talking about you know legal matters and stuff and say oh by the way we're we're moving into a new building a new medical building over there you know down the street and the attorney goes yo well, that's great have you did you get did you research the market you are working with a tenant rep on that it's like no no it's in a you know, nice space and we don't you know, we don't need a tenant rep we're we're dealing directly with the landlord they're really nice well the attorney was fairly insistent that they really, really should talk with a tenant rep just to check things out, which happened to be me. So they call me and they say, hey, you know, we're looking at some space and, you know, this attorney said we should talk to you. And so, yeah, let's, uh, what do do you think? And here's, I said, well, send me your lease and let me see what you're doing. So I looked it over and then I contacted the landlord and I said, hey, you know, no, no fault of mine. These people contacted me and asked me if I would uh, represent them and just make sure they're getting a, a fine deal. So I said, sure. Um, so with, within probably 24 hours, maybe 48 at the most. We get a letter from the landlord, an email that says basically they're saying, "Hey, we just sharpened our pencil. We see how we could save you fifty thousand dollars under these new terms if you want to go ahead and proceed with this deal right now."
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean it's like, man, I, one minute of my time with this landlord, fifty thousand dollars. You know, and that's that's pretty typical of of what can happen. And then, of course, uh, you and I have been talking maybe mostly about uh, financial terms, but there are also other terms that could turn into financial terms depending on future events that could occur. You know, that uh, Put it this way, the typical landlord lease always has stuff in it that should be changed, and it never has clauses in it that you should put in there. And many landlord uh, landlords will tell you, oh, no, this is our standard lease. In fact, a lot of them are labeled standard office lease because <laughs> they don't want you to think about it needing any changes. And sometimes they'll say, no, this is our standard lease. We never make changes. And a different group of doctors, as a matter of fact, a year or so later, uh, I was representing uh, one group. And then there was like three other groups of doctors moving into this big new brand, uh, big new um, medical office building they were all told uh, no changes to our lease this is our standard deal we've done a lot of office developments you know no no changes okay fine so i'm looking over the lease and negotiating it and i get with the landlord and go you know we understand you don't want to change the lease well what about paragraph 32 you know it it says blah 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 but what if such and such you know then oh well no we didn't mean that you know well you know maybe we should be more clear on that and then what about paragraph 47 if such and such then this and that well no yeah no we'll we'll change that too and so it was funny later on at a cocktail party after the deal's all done and all the, uh, the other medical uh, doctors are lamenting this big, long lease that couldn't be changed. And, of course, my client was gleefully happy to say, oh, no, we made, we made about a dozen changes to that lease.
1: <laughs> so, Craig, you'll deal as a, in your capacity as a tenant rep You'll deal with the landlord directly, often with their attorney to negotiate the terms. But then at some point, once it's finalized and before the tenant signs, they should seek their own attorney. So just talk about that, if you would, please.
0: Yes, uh, I I do. Uh, And every state is different, and the laws uh, are different in every state. And um, I always find the attorneys to be uh, very helpful. And uh, sometimes they're irritated when a, a real estate broker gets on the phone and we talk about lease terms but when it when you're a real specialist as I am and most tenant reps are pretty quickly the attorney realizes oh wait a minute this is this is somebody that's part of the team and you know, they're not stepping on my toes and I'm not stepping on theirs. So we're working on this together for the benefit of the, of the client. So I'll bring up, and again, I'm not an attorney, so I never uh, offer lease language or anything that would be practicing law, but I'm certainly capable of reading the, uh, the English language and, and knowing what certain uh, business terms are and how we want them changed. And so we typically do the business terms, and then it will go to the attorney, because there's two main negotiations. One is the offer, like a letter of intent or a request for proposal, where we're hammering out all the financial terms. And then we get this lease delivered to us, usually by the landlord, which is a whole nother negotiation. You know, they say the devil's in the details, and there's all kinds of stuff in there that wasn't discussed, but, you know, hey, this isn't exactly uh, to our liking. Uh, you know various various things in there that you know we we want changed, and uh, and the attorney's real good at that. Especially if the other parties uh, have an attorney that are they're involved in the negotiations, they don't want to talk to mere mortals. They 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 want to talk to other attorneys.
1: So Craig, let's talk about the personal guarantee, which uh, is what most landlords, in my experience, are going to want from a small business owner on a lease, but you've got some interesting perspectives on this so chat with us about personal guarantees that is
0: a big point point. and of course the landlords want personal guarantees and what basically what it means is if if the company is signing a lease and especially if the company doesn't have a lot of assets or it's a new llc or you know whatever they want someone personally to guarantee that lease and so they ask for it a lot and some people don't realize that it's not necessarily mandatory, and so we'll we'll argue about that whether a we even have to sign personally or b if it is appropriate and we do have to uh, when does it expire you know maybe if it's a five year lease after two years the the personal guarantee expires or maybe you get your spouse off of the guarantee and depending on the state you were in and check with your attorney it's quite possible that. You're a uh, in in the type of state where you when your assets are owned jointly. If one of you didn't sign that personal guarantee, then the creditors can't come after those joint assets. So, so that's something too. Um, we also can limit the personal guarantee in a monetary way. It's like a, pull a pull a number out of the air that uh, that is less than the the full amount of the lease. Um, Oh, or what what's fairly popular is a, is an evergreen uh, guarantee one year guarantee where say you have a five year lease, you're guaranteeing one year uh, at all times. So in 18 months you're there's still 12 months of a guarantee or 24 months there's 12 12 months left of the guarantee. So you know but one year is better than five or four or whatever you've wound it down to. So so that's fairly common, too. And, and part of the negotiation about the personal guarantee, too, is, well, what kind of condition did you get the space in? Are you asking the landlord to invest a ton in this space? If so, then, you know, they, they need to be really sure that they're going to get their money. But if you're taking it pretty much as is, um, then there should be more flexibility
1: on the uh, personal guarantee. So can you share some insights as to what happens if you do default on a lease
0: well, yeah. Now, that's a, a bit of a legal question. I think it depends on what state you're in, but I guess you and I are from Florida, and I, it has been my experience that when, uh, say, you, you vacate a space and you uh, prior to your lease expiration, you still are on the hook, but the landlord has an obligation to try to release the space. And when they do, they have to apply the new income to what you owe. So your obligation may be less than you thought. And in fact, we use that sometimes when we want to get out of a lease early, which can happen, uh, we'll mention that very fact and, and we'll try to negotiate a shorter term. Uh, uh, say we have three years left on a lease, we'll say, look, and, and also we'll say, you know, we'll, we'll give you six months or nine months of prepaid rent uh, and, you know, you'll probably have at least in that time. So this is like a bonus to you. You know, you're going to get extra bonus months. And then, of course, if they just wouldn't agree and we blow out of there, then it's like, hey, you know, you're going to be leasing this space and we'll just play it by ear and see how much we really do end up owing you. So it all becomes part of the negotiation.
1: So, Craig, if if I... I'm a business owner. I'm two years into a lease, let's say, and I find myself in a terrible financial situation. I know I'm going to have to close down. Is it best to approach the uh, the landlord ahead of time or give them a heads up or just vacate the space? What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, you know, it's a, it's a good question, and uh, it's a subject that depends on the economy. Some days or some months, I'll be getting quite a few calls from people that say, hey, I'm in trouble. I need to break my lease, you know. Uh, and it's not like they're bad people. It's just they don't. Their business isn't going the way they thought. Yes, we have a lease obligation, but I don't have the money. So I actually put together uh, um, some information that says, you know, how to break your lease when you really have to. And we start out saying, hey, this is not a good thing. You know, th- we're talking about when you are out of money, you have no choice. Then, then what do you do? And what one of the recommendations that, that we talk about is like, well, what are your assets like? Are you willing to go uh, file for bankruptcy or threaten to file bankruptcy? Because most landlords don't want to throw good money after bad. And if they think they're not going to collect uh, whatever they're able to get uh, in the in form of a judgment, then they're not even going to try to get the judgment. Um, And, you know, I've had landlords before call me up lamenting the fact that, you know, boy, some tenant moved out of the shopping center in the middle of the night. And if that tenant had only called them, they could have stayed for free while we find a new tenant because it makes the shopping center look bad. So and, and this wasn't my suggestion. They call me out of the blue when they start talking this way. So the point would be communicate with the landlord. Say, hey, I understand I owe you. I don't have the money. Now what do you
1: want to do? Yeah, that's such a that's a good perspective and great advice, Craig. And so definitely talking to the landlord ahead of time in most cases can result in a a good outcome for both sides.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I would also do it prior to running out of money. You know, if, if you can see the writing on the wall and you're losing money each and every month and you don't see how you might be able to turn it around, why wait until you're completely out of money? You know, I'd call the landlord way early on and say, hey, I'm in the process of losing money. And we can start, they can start looking for a new tenant right away. Maybe they can reduce your rent. You know, we've both been in down economies, I I think, that sometimes a proactive landlord will call up a tenant in in the shopping centers and say, hey, I know the economy is bad. What can I do to help? Because they don't want you leaving in the middle of the night. They will lower your rent voluntarily. So, you know, good communicate. We're a team here, you know, the landlords and tenants. It's not like one is the enemy. You know, I want you as a landlord, you know, they want you to be uh, successful so you can pay the rent.
1: And um, you should be uh, on good terms uh, w- with each other. Okay. So, Craig, now I want to ask you about lease extensions. Uh, in my experience, when it comes time to negotiate a lease extension, uh, the landlord typically has most of the leverage and since they know how expensive and impactful it is to move your business, they, they know they've got that leverage. But, and you may have negotiated an option, of course, and that gives you some advantage. But what tips and advice can you share with a small business owner on this whole lease extension topic? Well, you ask a
0: great, great question and bring up a wonderful point because so many people, or say you even have an option to renew. So people just say, well, you know, I got an option. Oh, I guess I'll I guess I'll just sign it and stay. So even you know, an option to renew is still a negotiable event. You know, if you're if the pre-negotiated rate is far below um, market, then you probably just want to take it. But if it's at market or or above or anything, you know, you can call the landlord and say, hey, you know, we're thinking of staying, but we might not. We're we're looking at all our options. Uh, what can you do for us to stay and, and or maybe make some suggestions and, uh, about, uh, you know, improvements you'd like to make to the space or some discounted rent for a while or this or that. But to get leverage, though, um, I'm going to tell you a quick story. It makes the point really good. I had a, an old friend call me and he did, I'm terrible at marketing. He couldn't even remember hardly what business I was in, I guess. But high school friend. So, hey, you're in leasing, aren't you? I go, yeah, that's what I do. He goes, well, my landlord wants more. You know, my lease comes up in two months and my landlord wants a lot more rent. And I think we're paying too much already. It's like, oh, my God, you know, two months. That's that's not good, you know, because the landlord now has the leverage. The landlord knows you can't find new space and move into it that fast. So the landlord was just playing hardball and said, here's your deal. You know, take it or leave it. And, you know. It could end their business if they didn't take it and they had to move or they had to close down. So uh, I looked at the market, and sure enough, they were paying higher than market. So what I had to do to gain leverage, I had to convince them. Well, first of all, bringing in a tenant rep helped a lot because now they knew the tenant was serious and someone was looking at the market and watching over them. So I called the landlord and I said, hey, look, you know we know moving will be a a real pain. Uh, We understand that. You understand it. We do, too but we will. We can and we will move. We'll work out of our houses if we have to, because you know this paying too much in rent really affects our income. That affects the value of the business when we finally retire and sell it, et cetera. By the way, I always say we when I'm talking about my clients because I, I just feel like we're partners. But um, So the first thing I had to do was convince the landlord that we could and would move. And then when I convinced them of that fact, Then everything changed, and not only did the rent not go up, it actually went down substantially because I could talk to them and say, hey, here's what market rents are, and then, oh, by the way, that air conditioner that's really making a racket up there on the roof that costs $5,000 to replace, now's the time to replace it on the landlord's dime, and we got some other incentives, you know, paint and carpet and things like that, all because they now believe we would move. But anyway, that may be a long way of of giving you your answer of timing. You should give yourself six months before the lease expires, maybe even longer if it's a sophisticated uh, situation, because now the landlord knows you're serious. You actually could move because you've got time now to negotiate a new deal, build out a new space, because to build out a new space, you need permit you will you got to construct it and to do that you need permits to do that you need architectural plans you know and then before that you got to negotiate a deal so if you hit them 6 months in advance uh, or 9 months now you have the leverage they'll take you seriously and you can get incentives and it's it's almost humorous to me how many businesses out there don't do anything when they when they remain in the space and they have no idea what kind of dollars and cents they probably just left on the table by not renegotiating their, uh, their renewal or their, uh, you know, staying in the space. And then one other thing about negotiating too is we always let landlords know that we're looking at other space and, you know, and we'll say, Hey, I'm not trying to be obnoxious here. You know, we're looking at the market. It's, it's our job. And the way we would negotiate would say, um, we don't even want to argue about what the space is worth, you know, because you can get in, in some sort of, you know, argument there that's just not going to go anywhere. So it's like, okay, well, you know, you can use some comps, but basically our business model will support this rent. So we're not trying to insult your space, especially if you're making a lowball offer. Um, but here's what our business model can support. And, and then also the way I negotiate personally, and it works, uh, seems sort of good for me, is I'll say, we'll, we'll, um, We'll consider your space our first choice under these terms. So we're looking at other things, but I don't need you to put you on pins and needles for no reason. You you are our first choice under these terms. So, you know, get back to us. And if you can't do it, fine. We'll have to move on to plan B. But for right now, you're our first choice. And that seems to build a lot of goodwill. And I know some people like to make offers on four properties all simultaneously, and that's their nature, and maybe it works uh, works for them as well. But for me, I just like to, I like to be the nice guy and, and let people know you're our first choice under these terms. And many, t- sometimes the landlord wants to know the space you're looking at, and some, t- and many times I go, well, you know, I'm, none of your business, you know, or and they also they don't really know about off market spaces. They, you know. Even even if there's a we 99% want to stay where we are or we want this one space because I, I I never I never f- lie or fib but it's like this is one of our choices so we really want to do this I don't have to tell you that but you know we really want to do this but it still it is technically one of our choices and uh, and that's the way
1: uh, we handle that yeah that's great input, Craig. so you actually are being able to create leverage there by positioning and it's and it's actual it's factual that you're positioning that you are and do have options that you're considering and then that creates some leverage. but also the fact that you've gotten somebody to help you with it, a tenant rep to help you with it adds some credibility to that leverage that you're creating.
0: That's right, that's right. But that other broker, for they got to be nervous because they don't know what I know, and I may know about spaces that they don't know about, and uh, and I, of course I don't I don't mind them thinking that,
1: you <laughs> know. So, yeah, that's great, Craig's. All right, so let's start to wrap it up. I want to ask you now, uh, you personally in your business, what do you think have been one of the keys to your success in business? Uh, just hard work, you
0: know, hard work, and
1: uh, and I'm, I'm just brutally,
0: uh, honest, you know, I, um, if I don't know the answer, I'll just say, I don't know. You know, I, I, I try never to guess. I try to communicate very, very, uh, precisely uh, and clearly. Um, and then I always put my client first, even to the detriment of my own commission. I mean, I can tell you a couple times I've completely done a deal and my commission's going to be pretty substantial. And then the client will say, you know what, gee whiz, ah, they they get cold feet and they don't want to do it. And I never try to convince them, no, 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 stay in the deal, stay in the deal. It's like, okay, if you're sure that you don't want to do this deal, say that all of a sudden they decide they don't want to retire, they want to retire, they want to this and that, they don't want to take the chance on a new big lease. and So they get cold feet and I never argue with them. It's like, okay. If that's what you want, the moment you're absolutely sure that you don't want this deal, now it's my new job to back us out of this deal in the most elegant way I can. Um, and, and I'll do that. Now, fortunately, a couple of those, then they changed their mind again. And, and I think part of it was the fact that I'm not fighting with them. It's like, OK, whatever you want, you know. And uh, and since I'm not pushing them, maybe then they can think clearer, and they did proceed with the deal. But uh, other than that, when they don't want to, then hey, we back out of the deal. I make nothing, but hopefully they'll remember me for the next time, or they'll tell their friends about me, or whatever. So and and I can remember a couple times where I've had a, a client that'll say, all right, well, fine, we'll pay the you know call it, we'll pay the fifteen dollars a foot. You know that it, we negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. All right, tell them we'll go for the fifteen. So And by the way, my commission is based on the rent. The higher the rent, the more I get. But I don't want the most fee I can get out of any given deal. I won't repeat business. So I call the landlord back and I go, well, you know, we're close. We're really, really close. Do you think he could do – I think we could – certainly do $14.85 a foot. I, I'm, I'm sure we could do that deal. <laughs> and I'm I'm sure we can do that deal. I didn't lie. <laughs> so then when the landlord, are you sure it would? Yeah. Well, I know we can do that deal. $14.85 a foot. All right, fine. We'll do it. Well, you can imagine how happy my client is when he said he would do 15 a foot and I gutted even less. You know, That builds up pretty good brand loyalty. So you know, just that kind of stuff. I just keep it fun and do the best job I know how to how,
1: and put my clients first. So, Craig, clarify for me: Are you do you offer your services just in the states that you're licensed, or you, do you offer those services nationwide?
0: Oh no, yeah, we nationwide. In fact, if uh, I, I have a network uh, outside the country too, but mostly nationwide. And and um, if it is lease consulting, if I'm going to talk to you about the business points of your lease. So it's, I'm not earning a a brokerage fee, I'm certainly not uh, offering legal advice, but if you want to email me your lease and I go over it and we talk about the business points and I can give you a whole long list of things you should talk to your landlord about, yeah, I can do that in any state. I don't need any type of license to do that. Now, if you decide you want me to help you find a site and negotiate the lease and earn a fee, then I will bring in someone from your area and we'll work on it together so that we're licensed in that deal and we can earn a uh, a commission.
1: All right, Craig, a couple last questions. Uh, First is, is there a book or a resource that you would recommend to our listeners?
0: Well, you know, I, um, of course, I do read all the time, but even more than that, you know, I find when I'm out walking the dog or sitting in an airport or on an airplane or this or that, you know, podcasting has really, really uh, become incredible. I mean, think about it. The old days, you might have Einstein would, would say what he thinks, and only the people near Einstein is going to hear about it. But our modern-day Einsteins get interviewed by some podcaster, and tomorrow I hear that interview. So it's very exciting, and, uh, and I listen to lots of podcasts Tim Ferriss is one of my favorite, and maybe he is one of the most popular ones out there, but he has a wide variety of topics. Uh, Many make your, uh, uh, you know, expand your mind, uh, help you be happier and healthier and uh, better in business. And so he's one of dozens that I listen to, but he is one of the first ones I think about when people ask me uh, which ones I recommend.
1: Great. Thanks for that recommendation. I'm also a big fan of Tim Ferriss's podcast. So we'll have a link to his show on our show notes page for this episode. And you can find that at thehowofbusiness.com. All right. So as we start to wrap it up, uh, where can folks find out more about you and your business, Craig?
0: Uh, well, my very clever website name, leasesmart.com, all one word, leasesmart.com. uh, 800-962-2419. Just give me a call.
1: Craig, thanks so much for being with us today and sharing this wonderful and valuable information. All right. Thank you. It was a great pleasure. Well, folks, thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business
0: with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening
1: and go live your dream.